Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Yeah, you gotta shake that out. Just like Taylor Swift. Oh, we're recording. Shit. Okay. Yeah, but Hi not there. recording anything at all. Oh. <laughs> 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 I'm eating the Milky Way. <laughs> so Jesus. Oh God. What what is what is the one advertising that in your life made you the most angry? Like it made you angry enough that you're like, fuck this product. I'm not buying this because this advertising sucks. I know there's something. You're 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 nerds. There's, the Trump there's commercials. something they got you. <laughs> okay. Aside from politics and an actual product that they're trying to sell you and they think they're doing a good job doing it by whatever cleverness they came to you. But I can't think of one. I, I, I literally I mean, there have been things like, well that doesn't make me want to buy their product, but there's like nothing it. that's made me like angry that just is like, oh my God, that is just Oh. Shit, I can't think of something. I, I'll start it off, but not before I bring everybody in. Welcome to Geek Shock number 381. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And we're here to talk week in geek. Andy has a sinus infection. Yeah. So he's, that, he's that's out. That's our official night. position. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Geek Shock flu is spreading its way around, apparently. That it is. Uh, but going back, I, I will start off because there is one. I think it was in the mid-90s. Uh, it was a Doritos commercial starring Chevy Chase. Okay. Uh, where people were coming up to him in a party and talking, and he didn't want to talk to them, so he was eating Doritos to oversound what they were saying. Ah, yes. The, the, the 90s, uh, I am just a dick and I'm embracing it, Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah, very that, much so. Okay, yes, I know exactly it, what it was, you're talking it, about. It was, it was such an annoying prat that I... I wanted nothing to do with Chevy Chase or Doritos while that was going on. It, it just got to the core of me of what, what an insufferable asshole. That was like right around the time that he had his talk show that just was, everybody said was just terrible. I think I watched a couple episodes. He's like, wow, he just really has no interest in interviewing these people. He just He's just being himself to these people that are coming on his show. Well, I remember the first episode he talked about being nervous and so bad at doing this, it was just like, dude, you're overdoing that part. <laughs> apologize once if you're going to apologize, but then so, get on with it. So yeah, that's that's one that immediately comes to mind, and I never forgot it. Obviously, it's it's like right there at the tip. You know, it's funny because I distinctly remember something offending me to that point, and I can't remember what it was. Hmm. But I remember even talking about it. I was just like, this was so offensive. Son of a bitch. I can't remember. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I no. just... I'm struggling. I'm the only one that has a, a no, commercial. No, I got that, one. Oh, what you got? It's basically... It's the host, that guy. He sells the slap chop. He sells the ShamWow and the squeegee <laughs> oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That guy. So the guy himself. Anything sold by that guy, I'm like, nope. <laughs> I hate that guy. I hate him. <laughs> Hook your tongue. Is, is he just too carnival barky for you? Is that what I, it is? I guess. Well, that's his just... background. He was, he, well, or not the carnival, but like the boardwalk uh, sales guys, you know. That, that much is obvious. Yeah, that's where that's where he got his start. I mean, hell, apparently that's how... Uh, uh, Billy Mays? No. Well, I know <laughs> Billy Mays, I was going to say, but no. Um, Mr. Popeil? Ron Popeil? 
<laughs> now you're making my brain go in ten different directions here. <laughs> oh yeah, the Ronco thing. Yeah, yeah. Ronco Peel got to start that way too. But uh, uh, set it and forget it. That's right, folks. <laughs> Just set it and forget it. So your house burns down. Uh, uh, tonight's show, Ed uh, McMahon. Ed McMahon got his start as a oh, as a really? boardwalk. Uh, sales guy you know yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it has a name i'm trying to remember what the name but the title is but basically you know they Andy use their the voice to to, <laughs> it, to lure people over to see what product they're selling sure they, yeah, they laid yeah. on the grease gun real hard absolutely yeah. no other anger commercials that's all right yeah. that's all right it might come to you Can it might not remember. how about you out there i want to know comments uglycouchshow.com or just throw it on the shock monkeys lair gentlemen What'd you do this week? What geeky things you do? Uh, Absolutely uh, nothing, because I've been recovering from strep throat. You are the strep man. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? You still got a little bit? I do, but it's not contagious. Are don't you worry. sure? Yes. Are you positive? Yes. I'm moving over here. That's that's fine. Okay. <laughs> further away. <laughs> further away. Outside the door. I don't think it's further enough. I, outside the door. Um, <laughs> that's fine. I'm cool with that. We're not going to make out but you, later, but, right? But, so you're fine. So, well, you, you were so sick that you couldn't like what binge it. I or couldn't. Did, really talk is just like i was tired from my antibiotics things like right. that sure so. you so your normal talking to the television wasn't going to happen this time so did you watch anything read anything mm. you just just slept i you think slept. i i think i well that and then when i wasn't sleeping i was watching the flash so i oh, okay. there we go i started the flash there you, you started go. the so flash. i'm on season two okay so obviously good enough to continue to the second season yes. what are your yes. thoughts on season one uh, contrary to my belief about the um, card game we play, where Flash is useless, he's pretty cool in this show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like it. I like the whole time traveling ish thing that he has. The the speed. Honestly, if if I had to pick between a superhero like power to take, it would either be Juggernauts or his. So he's up there. The Juggernaut. That's two very different powers. I know, but the goddamn just, Juggernaut. Yeah, just like that, it'd be Vinnie Jones. That'd be me. <laughs> Do you know the fuck I am? Oh my god. And you can do so, your Vinny impression for the rest of the show as far yeah. as that goes. I, I love The Flash. It's my favorite of the uh, the CW DCs. The Arrow is always better just because... You know, I, 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 the first couple of years, I would agree with you. But since then, The Flash has taken over my favorite spot for that. Uh, what wait, what does the... Back. Fl- what, what? Um, Gotham. I like Gotham. Oh, okay. okay. I'm a fan well, of Gotham. You're one of the few so, then. Now yeah. that's above the other two, Flash <laughs> yes. and? Okay. Yes, Gotham. So what does Gotham have that Flash and... Uh, my, DC, my DC would always be Batman first. Okay. So, so it's just in its yeah. core. But, yeah. uh, but Gotham is, is Gotham without Batman. I know, but Batman. it's there. It's in that world. So are the other ones, but I mean, that's there. All right. Gotham figure like like uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. figures itself out yeah. about halfway through that first season. But okay. uh, but uh, I want to know for you, Jeff, uh, why right. do you like Flash better than Arrow? What what, what uh, appeals to you more? There's, there's, a, there's a certain amount of just, I guess, hopelessness with Arrow. Oh, okay. It's because it's, it's, it's dark and broody. Um, it's like, I still like the show. Don't get me wrong. I do like it. But there's a certain amount of hope and positiveness that the Barry Allen character maintains even when things go horribly wrong. And I can't really say too much more if he's just starting because if you're just in season two, like, are you about halfway through season two? Uh, I think two? he's about to say shit's going to go horribly just wrong. Start, okay. So, so they, they introduce so Zoom and all stuff that. Goes, so. Yeah, stuff goes down in season two and then in the beginning of season three that just... You're just like, how does this guy, you know, get out of bed in the morning sometimes? But, you know, 
there's like I said, there's just that that, that inherent hope, and that's in that character too. You know, the kind of you know he's just no matter what he's so positive about things. And uh, I will say this though, and and this wasn't me. This was uh, some reviewer online was talking about this. Is that uh, you know they open the show and he says, "My name is Barry Allen, and I'm the fastest man alive." But as the show keeps going on, oh, yes. it's him learning how to get faster because there's somebody faster than him yeah. that wants to take him out. Yeah. It's kind of a fun <laughs> joke, it, though. It, it, yeah. It's kind of, and, and it's true because even in the comics, he says he's the fastest man alive. So they are keeping in theme with the comics. But when he faces villains, like in the comics, you know, he faces the Reverse Flash. He faces Zoom. Um, I forget the name of the uh, the Death Wraith. That's the um, there's 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 a character in the comics that it's basically it looks like uh the dark like a dark version of the flash it looks kind of almost like a zombie flash and that kinda, is kind of like his that uh, is that is the speed forces version of death because okay. basically a speedster can't really die naturally because they're connected to the speed force which causes them to their cells to regenerate and so forth i've and, never read the flashes is all news to me oh uh, anyway so you know it you know they heal faster so Okay. I guess it's kind of like the Speed Force's way of dealing with, you know, <laughs> the unnaturalness of you know being a speedster. You got to have balance. That. Yeah, exactly. You got to balance. That's the flat. The Flash's tagline from DC Comics: "Fastest Man Alive." Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is correct. Except for the other speedsters. Except for the other yeah. Speedsters. Except <laughs> except for all the ones that are faster than him. Yeah. <laughs> and all the different variations of the Flash from Earth Two and Earth Three. Right. And yeah. I, I always that that always irritated me. Like when in the comics when they'd have the Flash Superman races, mm-hmm. and they always like contrive it to be a tie or the it's it's like the, DC is it really going to kill you to let the let the Flash be actually faster than Superman. Just have the yeah. race, and, and Superman's like, wow, Thank you. Sh- I can't, man, he's he's yeah. just too fast. With the exception of, uh, I think, like Dark Knight uh, Returns, where he literally, where, where Batman literally beats the crap out of Superman, I think that's the only time they allow any of the other, quote-unquote, superheroes to completely just beat Superman. It's like they cannot allow Superman yeah. to be... Wonder Woman actually did it, too. Well, that's true. What she beat him in? Beat him up. Where? Um, shit. Mm-hmm. No, you I heard about it. I heard about it. I, 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 I know what you're talking about. I, I know I a guy who remember, knows a guy I can't remember the comic, it. too. But no, it, yeah, it's, it's in one of the comics. Um, I, I forget the exact premise. I'm sure Biggs could help me out, and maybe he'll... He'll remind me. Oh, on Biggs Saturday. is yelling at his. Yeah. Yeah. Superman is right probably now. weakened by pink kryptonite or some bullshit. I I, I want to say he was affected by red kryptonite, there so he go. got See? he got evil. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, See, it was evil Superman. He wasn't out, using his powers to the fullest because he was evil. And are no, there still lots yeah, of? Yeah, yeah, still, yeah. Are there still lots of different kinds of kryptonite? Oh God, yes. They eliminated yeah. them, but then they brought them back piece by piece, and now yeah. Okay. Because like red, they still he still keeps all of his powers. They turns evil. But it, well, it, it, we learned that in part three of the movie. Sort right? of evil. It's more like he just succumbs to all of his. It's like you know he has his base. No desires. inhibitions. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Sexy. Oh, it's like, yeah. like flip flops his, pers- his personality. So. Yeah. yeah. Superman flip flop. But yeah. All right, anyway. so, okay, so the green, yes. green takes away his powers. Red makes him uh, Freudian. 
What, uh, what else make is me look Gold kills him. Gold kills him. Gold kills. Sorry if you don't know. I just want to know what you know as of the Kryptonites. That's, that's why I'm not asking when Professor Biggs is here, because I don't need the whole show to be Kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but, so okay, Gold Superman kills. 3, this was this. But oh, no, wait a second. Superman 5. He'd <laughs> oh, he wouldn't talk movies, dude. He'd talk about the comics. Uh, and that's not a bad Biggs. Uh, <laughs> Oh, one sec. <laughs> oh, not you. <laughs> one. Okay, one. yeah. Okay, yeah? Okay, yeah. saying, yeah, Green kills him. Right. Um, said, originally, Red Kryptonite simply weakened Superman. Later, it was described as causing bizarre behavior transformations. Bar- oh, transformations, that's right. Yeah. yeah, TV adaptations have traditionally shown Red Kryptonite to make Kryptonians dangerously unhibited and narcissistic. Anti-Kryptonite, which is harmless to Kryptonians, but has the same effect as green variety on normal humans. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait, it makes Ex- weak humans weaker? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> thought you were weak now. What's that about? Uh, Ant- X-Kryptonite, which uh, was created in the oh, yeah. Supergirl comic, is uh-huh. an un- unsuccessful attempt <laughs> to find what? an antidote to green Kryptonite. Harmless to Kryptonians, the mineral gives normal life forms superhuman abilities, yeah. as the case of Supergirl's pet cat, Streaky. Wait, what? Yeah, that's, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Pet streaky. cat, Streaky. Is uh, that the fastest cat alive? Blue kryptonite, which is an imperfect form of kryptonite, which affects imperfect character Bizarro in the same way that green oh, that's right. variety Bizarro's affects Superman. Blue, yeah. White kryptonite kills all plant life from any world. Mm. Red green well, kryptonite... Okay. Uh, Red green, Red so green. The holiday flavor, which, yeah. which yeah. is an alloy created by Brainiac, caused Superman to mutate temporarily, growing a third eye on the back of his head. <laughs> That'll teach that's, that's him. pretty specific. <laughs> Gold kryptonite uh, affected by atomic radiation, capable of permanently removing a Kryptonian's ability to process yellow light, which in turn nullifies all superhuman abilities forever. Says post crisis, this kryptonite only removes a Kryptonian's powers temporarily. All right. Red, green, blue, gold kryptonite. Oh, I'm serious. It keeps going. <laughs> yeah, I told you. Yeah, they yeah, just, they, it's, it's, you know, it's their freaking red herring, you know, their, or not red herring, uh, their freaking, uh, uh, it's uh, a catch all. It's their catch all MacGuffin. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. MacGuffin is what I was saying. Uh, uh, red, green, gold, uh, it does All right. What? DC just needs to get his head out of its ass. It's a Kryptonian ass. Superman what? combines the materials to power a device to boost his intelligence. An explosion what? causes a mishap, and the characters split into two separate beings. Oh, cool! Superman Blue and Superman Red. Oh, yeah, yeah so that's, that's, so, so that's Superman Three. Yeah, that that's Superman. Both three. whom whom possess put uh, both whom possess enhanced intelligence. Yeah, Silver Kryptonite. Uh, originally re- released in 1963, revealed by Jimmy Olsen to be a hoax. In Superman number 46, 2008, <laughs> oh, so Silver Kryptonite, kryptonite so. was reintroduced Don't worry on this about occasion, even that one. shown to be authentic as it causes Kryptonians to suffer altered perceptions, loss of inhibition, right. and extreme hunger cravings. Skip to brown kryptonite. What's brown kryptonite do? Well, I... I don't see brown yet, but... <laughs> well, uh, then, get I, on it, DC. I'm, I'm not You're even halfway slacking. through the list. Because there's Jewel, Bizarro Red, Red Green, Red Gold, and Magno... Nope. Red, green, gold, slow, <laughs> kryptonite X, pink pink kryptonite. Okay, wait, stop. I want pink kryptonite. Uh, seemingly turns kryptonians gay. What? <laughs> this what? Type, that's what it says. This type of kryptonite was mentioned in a single panel in a story that was a satire of the plots of many of the Silver Age comic stories. 
Oh my god! Which featured go. some strange new form of kryptonite. And then there's black, orange, and periwinkle. Okay. But no brown. But no brown. Okay, but I'd need to know periwinkle now. Uh, a non-canon story exposure okay. causes Kryptonians to lose all inhibitions. Red kryptonite. Uh, it says it deba- debuted in Superman Family Adventures number 9, March of 2013. Paint kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you Biggs, you wonder why I have issues with the, the Superman character. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because he's listening to this right now, and his heart is swelling with pride. That's true. At the creativity of the DC universe. <laughs> now, Biggs is joining us for the live show, right? Yes. As yes, far he as is. I know. Right. I'm readying he my guest he... room as we speak. Aha. He, he, he said as much in a post today. So Biggs. On Facebook. Barry. Yep. Deb. Yep. Uh, a classic lineup going for the live show. Uh, we are going to record it. It is this weekend at the uh, Henderson Library. Uh, we thought it was the same one we were at last time, but it turns out we're actually at the one that's on the corner of uh, Green Valley and Sunset. Green Valley Parkway and Sunset, yes. So, yeah, don't go to the wrong library. Of course, they'll probably point you to the right direction. It's really do. close to Matt's house, so... Uh, hey, don't we'll, be stalking. So no stalkers. We'll have right? dinner and drinks afterwards. Right. <laughs> so are we going to have to drop off Andy and Matt then so that we can fit all the, the other cast members on? Are you calling this fat? <laughs> wow. <laughs> true, true. Well, no, it, Matt Matt has to eat the peppers, so... Uh, yeah, yes. Matt's going to be gone anyway. Yeah, we do yeah. the pepper first. We do the pepper done. first. He'll, he'll bow out because he'll that be stuck the in the problem. bathroom for the rest yeah. of the, the podcast. <laughs> That's why we have the extra people to... I checked on that pepper. It's so I'm being check. replaced? No, I'm just... <laughs> I'm, I'm being realistic. You're going to eat that pepper, go... This isn't bad, and then you're gonna go running out of the room, and you'll be stuck in yeah. one of the bathrooms. Yeah. We're, we're gonna for, be there with a glass of, of milk. That's it. I'll be yeah. fine. All right. We'll, we'll set, so we got some okay. small ground rules, but yes, that's certainly happening. Half and half works better. Do you want that? Because it's a little no. thicker. Okay. How about quarter and quarter? That's twice as best. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> Speaking of the show, Colonel John yes. Yes, sent even more awesome paper ships, 3D yes. paper ships. Um, he wanted, he made it for display for our live show. So if you come to the live show, these will be on display. Uh, he also made some minions for D&D minions for the campaign based on each one of us. Absolutely beautiful, each one of these. Um, and he's kind of inspired me because he gave me some uh, links to find other ones. So if I can get it done, and hope, no promises, but I'm going to try to find the right paper and such. Uh I'm going to have some do-your-own paper model sheets available at the live show as a little parting gift for anybody who comes to the show. Uh, I think so I have some over here if you want to bring those. Oh, supplies will be limited. Are you going to do it like Oprah? Like, hey, look under your seats. All right. And then people pull out the paper You get, kit. You get, you paper get a paper guy. You, you get, get some a paper, paper guy. Craft. You get a paper guy. <laughs> well, we're not doing it now. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the reaction would be the same. Oh, damn it. Um, okay. Just a thought. Uh, what if you so made thank you, Colonel John. These paper are awesome. cards. I mean, he, he made this, uh, of all the things, I mean, he shuttle a... a uh, Old school Millennium Falcon. That one is amazing. The orbital test vehicle. Thunderbird trainer aircraft. So, so we will uh, hopefully have some available if you want to get in on this paper modeling thing yourself. And again, Colonel John, thank you. So what much. makes that old school? That Millennium Falcon. The dish, you noob. Oh, I couldn't see it because of the. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. I couldn't you see know it what? because of the you mics in the way. You know what? You know what? 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 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did. I did. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. That 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 that's match juggernaut. Crash. Sorry, <laughs> but I'm the juggernaut. Canadian juggernaut. I'm the juggernaut. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. I'm the juggernaut, eh? I'm the juggernaut. Send me, send, send so would me the Canadian bill. juggernaut run through walls and go every wall is like crash? Sorry, crash. Yeah. Sorry, crash. Sorry, exactly. You just joined. Okay, pardon me. Excuse wow, me. Wow, he just said that. <laughs> I just you elaborated. were like ten feet away. <laughs> I, I was listening, He's but uh, I said it better. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't take those. Those are mine. You snooze, you lose. What else you do this week, guys? Uh, well, I, I watched a bunch of how to do comedy things on YouTube, which apparently didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it worked there. You got me. Oh, good. Uh, what did I do? I did something. Um, I did watch YouTube. Um, yeah. So I did do that. Okay, great. Anything yeah. special on it? Or uh, you know just what? Generic I, YouTube. I, I'm actually. It's it's so geeky. It probably bores geeks because I watched some history YouTubes. This one, this professor talked about the collapse of Bronze Age civilization, hmm. and he was talking about the Sea Peoples because these were these uh, Sea Peoples who had these uh, two or three migrations into the Levant and basically really destroyed. Uh, Eastern Mediterranean and Near Eastern Bronze Age civilization with the wars and everything that came in. So that was actually kind of interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, I watched a lot. Of, um, I watched Scalagrim, Scalia Gladiatora, the Metatron, and Shadowversity, <laughs> which are all medieval weapons, HEMA. YouTube video sites discussing oh. medieval weapons and uh, medieval fighting. And quite a few of them, especially like Shadowversity, um, tie into role-playing games because they'll mention, they'll talk about role-playing games. So that was all interesting. And, I, and I, I've been watching those for about a year or two now, but I did a whole bunch of catching up because they do all sorts of cool things by reproductions. They do weapon tests. Sometimes they'll do ballistics gel tests with weapons just like they used to do on Deadliest Warrior. They have exchanges between each other. They'll call each other out for mistakes or corrections, and they'll do exchanges on, uh, on their videos and stuff. So it's actually, it's actually pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, so I watched a bunch of that. I'm actually behind on watching Bleach. I haven't watched Bleach in a couple weeks since I brought it up because hmm. I just... I've been sick, in case people have noticed. Um, oh, they've noticed. Yeah. Yeah, uh, thank you for the hashtag <laughs> feel better Harvey Firestein. Yeah. I've gone now from Harvey Firestein to Marlboro Man, so I'm just like <laughs> choking on my lungs. But um, I just don't have the, the energy to watch subtitles. Because there were a couple times I'm like, I should catch up on Bleach. And then I just sit there and I think about reading... And I'm like, ah, oh, I can't do it. I just can't do it. So, um, we talked about Iron Fist last week. Did do Iron Fist already? So. Oh yeah, I, I watched that too. That's what I did. Aha! Yeah. What's your thoughts on Iron uh, Fist? It, it's like a Luke Cage, which you don't know because you haven't watched Luke Cage. <laughs> he, so he knows. He knows so well. So, but it's not as bad as the critics are panning it. It's actually very good. I liked it. 
Okay. Yeah. But I it's like not. It. Jessica Jones is still my top. Mm-hmm. Then Daredevil. Like, it's right there. Like they're. Yeah, I think that's where I put it at, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, Luke. he puts it there, and he hasn't even watched it. As far as those first two. Oh. I can't, oh, I can't oh, speak okay. to the other three. So. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's still good. You know, it's Marvel, right? So even when their stuff is kind of weak, it ends on a super, just one, it's not a spoiler, but it ends on a super cliffhanger. So yeah. it's not like the others, which neatly yeah. tie yeah. up. So, but that's, this is a cliffhanger that enters into the defenders. It's right? obviously that they're they're laying the groundwork for defenders. Yeah, yeah. it's well, like you, you we for those of us who have seen it, the MacGuffin for how the defenders get formed is kind of there. Okay, probably. Do you think that that's part of the issue that people have with this one is that they spend part of the story time setting up the next one instead of just telling the story? You know, well, the, maybe. The, 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 I was going to say, I, I just read a review earlier today on Iron Fist that was spoiler-free, but they said that the one thing that was the strength of the other Marvel Netflix properties was the character development, and it just they said it felt like there was no character development for Iron Fist, because it was like a bridge. It's like, well, we've got to introduce his character somehow, and rather than just introduce him on another show, they, you know, as one of the other already established characters shows... They just made that, and it said it felt like it's just like, okay, here's something to tide you over so you're not surprised when the Defenders started that there's this whole other character. Hmm. Which, I honestly, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because you've already really well-established these other three characters. You bring in the Defenders, you don't necessarily need to know all of the background of Iron Fist. You know, They could sprinkle a little facts here and there, and you could discover it as the Defenders go forward if they wanted to. Right. Kirsten and Matt, you've seen all of Iron Fist now. Yes. Two problems I have with that show. Okay. Ooh. Sorry to... Uh, That's okay. Go ahead. I'll, I'll come back to this question. Uh, the main character himself, um, so Danny Rand, I, I just don't... I, I actually want the, la- the girl to be Iron Fist, honestly, if I could pick the two. Jessica Fenwick. Yeah. She was in Game of Thrones. She's one of the Sand Sisters. Okay. She's the Sand Sister with the whip. Her character is just so much better than him. It's just he's like boring and bland. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just his style of fighting. I don't know. Something is off with that character. And then the older brother. I can't relate to the older brother or the not his brother, but I mean Meet Jim Ward Meacham. Yes. Really? That's interesting. Because he's an interesting one. Because once again, I, I don't think we're spoiling too much by saying he starts off. You're just like what a dick, but it very quickly moves into. Oh, that poor bastard. So it's actually kind of interesting, I thought. I could see where you're... But I just couldn't get into him after those first couple episodes. I'm like, what a dick. Like, Get him off the show. Like, He's a dick. He's a dick. Yeah, that's my only two problems. Like, The style of fighting is not as crisp as Daredevil or fluent as Daredevil. And and for, for pure martial arts, it really should be. Yeah, it should be a more lot. so that, than that was that was one of more the other so complaints yeah. that this reviewer said. He said that you've got really established fighting styles in Daredevil, Jessica Jones, right. Luke Cage, not fist. as much, but they're just saying that here you're going from you know really high bars to just kind of eh fighting in this one. So I, I like I, said, I haven't seen it, but that's just a complaint and that, that the reviewer had. Since studying 15 years in a monk monastery fighting styles all the fighting styles you should be the best yeah and he's supposed to be like the the master because he's the defender of that hidden or secret mm-hmm. city right yeah he is mm-hmm. a kung fu character am, am mm-hmm. i right? right yeah but he knows other styles as well right because I mean, i'm 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 so. struggling to remember as much as i can about the character based yeah. on what the comics had basically he's just, the gatekeeper he's, to yeah. heaven 
Yeah. Or whatever. Shop. Conlon. There you go. All right. I'm going to make a statement for you two since you've seen it. Uh, okay. Tell me what you think. Green light. Statement. Um, <laughs> Iron Fist was only decided to be introduced to this Marvel Universe because Luke Cage was. Probably. Okay. I, 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 it's not like I've read something where they stated that. But, but that's what I wanted to just your impression. I, that, that's definitely my impression. Hmm. They're going with Defenders. You got Luke Cage, Power Man, and Iron Fist was a later thing. It's not even like that started out with them Sure, being the first together. Defenders was what? Uh, the Hulk was a part of that group? and Yeah, but I mean, just in terms of Power Man and Iron Fist, that was its own comic book for a while. Right. But Iron Fist and, and, and Luke Cage were totally separate comics for the longest time in the <laughs> 70s going into the 80s. So... Um, they, they picked up on it and they said, "We got Luke Cage. We got to have Iron Fist." I mean, it's obvious that yeah, that's he's just being drawn in on the wake. Cause I don't think actually, it seems I don't think any. Well, no, I think Daredevil was a defender, but I don't think any. Well, maybe Luke Cage was at one point. Defenders almost have as big a rotational roster as the Avengers did, so I guess they were, but. It's not a core Defenders thing. That's sure. Doctor Defenders. Strange, Hulk, right. Submariner, um, Silver Surfer, that sort of thing. It's a the really Valkyrie. powerful group. Yeah. 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 And so. at least in the last 20 years of Marvel, Luke Cage has been well fleshed out, especially with Jessica Jones and that that and Jessica line. Jones and the things that they're doing with Avengers. Right. Uh, but they don't seem to have done much with Power Fist in that time. Iron Fist was dead for a while. Iron Fist, thank you. Yeah, I was going to let you run with it. You were thinking Warhammer, no, but anyways. No, I, was, well, that, I, was, that, I was thinking about the porn. I no, no, that's an alternative. That was it's an just... unfortunate transporter accident. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah. Uh, Two Vicks, everybody. Two you know, Vicks. There was a while where Danny was dead. That was actually the end of Power Man and Iron Fist as a series. And then it turned out it wasn't Danny who was dead, but he was gone for a while and blah, 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 and now he's back. But, yeah, it... Um, he, I mean, there was a lot that went on before all that in the 70s. But what they've done with Cage in the past 20 years, like you said, is definitely more than what they've done with Daniel Rand. Okay. Well, this week I uh, hate read a, a book. I, I don't know <laughs> if it's a novel or a memoir. It claims to be a memoir. Ooh. I'm starting to think it's a novel. Uh, it's it's a book that I kind of happened upon. It's It's... I didn't know anything going into it, and maybe that's part of the problem. I, I finished the Jonathan Mayberry book. We're about, we are currently with the book club. We're doing the voting for the April book. So if you haven't voted yet, you got a couple days yet to do so, and the, the poll will speak. Uh, but I didn't want to start something large, just something I could do pretty quickly. And, here, and I was looking at the library's OverDrive uh, book download site and said, Here's some suggestions for you, and it suggested this book called Game Life, a memoir. I can't even remember what the author is, and I don't care. But it was, the back of it started talking about playing the Infocom text adventure game Suspended from the 80s, and from a, a place of knowledge. And I'm like, that's eh, 200-some pages. I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and just dive right in and do it. And here's the thing. The, the book is kind of in two separate parts that, that go back and forth. 
about seven games are discussed in it, uh, formative to this character slash author's formative years. And it's obvious that the author knows what he is talking about with these games. And there are games that are very close to me in my formative years. Uh, games like uh, The Bard's Tale, uh, Ultima 3, which was the very first computer game I bought because that, that's, that was Dungeons and Dragons in computer form and I needed it. Um, <coughs> Uh, Sid Meier's Pirates is discussed, uh, uh, Might and Magic 2. So, so games that I, I really did grow up on. Okay. And, and even though I didn't play suspended by Infocom, <laughs> I played enough Infocom text adventures to get the feeling. And when the right. character is playing these games, he discusses it with a passion and brings that passion into and, and starts to talk about aspects of those games and applying to, to his life. Those parts I really enjoyed when they happened. But whenever it went to his experiences in elementary school or junior high, what an asshole this guy, this character was. And I, I just couldn't jive with him. I'm sure that was part, part of the aspect, but this kid was an absolute cunt. The, the British cunt, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. And <laughs> then he would start going off on these little side philosophies and real just shallow philosophy, kind of that, that whole, you know, hanging out with stoners philosophies about the nature of 3D, 2D, and how you're not really perceiving the world in 2D, 3D, you're seeing it 2D because that's the shapes that you're... Uh, and he's, there's, a, there's a segment where he's walking home and he sees the earth as a... a 2D map that he's walking over and he's seeing fantasy battles happen in it. And I'm describing it much more interestingly than it is actually happening. Oh, okay. So I, I got halfway through the book. At that point, I had to make the decision to soldier forward of the next hundred pages or just stop here and, and pick something else. And I was already to the point of like, well, if I can... If I stop now, I can't count this book toward re my reading goal of the year, which is 50 books. So I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and do the next 100 pages and move. And I finished it in like one night of just me reading and stopping and fact-checking the author. And I'd catch him on things about games that weren't right. Like he talked about how Sid Meier's Pirates was all day because it was going to be a few years before the day and night cycles happened. And I'm like, no, 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 because I know that Ultima Five had day and night cycles. So that was right around that same time. And it was just like a year later. I was like, stop catching you. And uh, he talks about... Uh, uh, Return to Wolfenstein, the 2D version, not the Wolfenstein 3D that came out later, although he talks about that a bit. And the <laughs> controls were wrong, and I'm like, ugh. I, 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 as a nerd, I just couldn't handle that. And as a asshole character, I'm like, I just don't like you. As, as a, And if this is your memoir, I don't like you as a human being. And I was, I was, and I was reading through it. I was like, this is obviously uh, somebody's first novel, who kind of needs an editor because it's all over the place. It jumps ahead in a segment like so 10 saying, years ahead and then all of a sudden just jumps back to where it was. And it's, it's, it just seemed like a mishmash of vignettes and video game descriptions. So it's probably somebody's handwritten memoir that they typed up and is, didn't bother to even check their own Is it a self-published or was it... Uh... No, it is an English professor and this is like his fourth book. 
Seriously? Yes. He's an English professor? Yeah, I looked him up afterwards. I'm like, you've Michael got to be fucking kidding Clune? me. That's the guy. Absolutely. And this last book was about heroin addiction, which I'm guessing is a memoir too or something. I don't know. So I don't know how much this book was real, and it doesn't matter. If it was real, I don't like the guy. <laughs> an assistant professor at Case Western Reserve University. Hey, there you go. Uh, that doesn't sound like a real university. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he made it up. Maybe it's his own university in his own. It says uh, published by Cambridge University Press. So yeah, uh, it probably even... it yeah you, a lot of university press books they kind of self. It's essentially a self publish. So they didn't probably it probably didn't have an editor to go. Hey, uh, I know you're recalling it this way, but you might want to check. You know your memory. It might be a little faulty. He'd write about these big moments with characters that he met. It would go to a hype, a, a just a two fists coming together of an explosion of major characters coming together, and then that character and all those characters would then disappear, and you wouldn't hear anything about it again. It'd be like just it's all these little buildups to drop off a cliff every single time. Interesting. And and I, I've got curious about it because i'm like what else was and the the reviews on this they are pretty glowing overall slate gave it a a backhand but overall this is like it's a a man who's realizing that the 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 world he went to in video games were just as important as his formative time as the travails that he went through in school and i'm like is that what you got but he was a dick in school it's it's not even like school it's not even like the computer gamer kid as victim trope yeah that was you know back in the day so yeah i'm looking at him he kind of looks like a dick (laughs) (laughs) i saw the picture yeah i'm like i'm sitting here and i'm like he looks like the kind of jerks that you know i went to school with I, i i don't begrudge the man his looks all i know is that no i just meant like the way that he holds himself is that it's essentially the kind of body language projects that yeah, I'm a dick because I'm a little pretentious and, you know, I think I'm more than I am and, yeah. But it was a weird place to find myself reading a book in spite and then just not enjoying myself but enjoying my hatred toward it. I never experienced that in my life. My goodness. Yeah. So I, I doubt I'll, I'll experience that again because I, my I, know, I know the signs. Oh, I can't wait to hate read wow. your book. <laughs> Torgo and his literary hate fuck. <laughs> but afterwards, I chose a much, much better book. Uh, Designers and Dragons, the 70s. Uh, one of three books, about 500 pages each, each chronicling the history of uh, tabletop role-playing games through the decades. So it's like a sorbet, you know, to cleanse your, your <laughs> literary palate. It really, well, I'd say more of a scouring pad. Oh, okay. But... <laughs> <laughs> sulfuric acid right on the eyes <laughs> but uh but so far i'm only about 15 percent through this uh first book but i'm really enjoying it the, the designers and dragons is uh, i like that aspect of the ebook revolution what's that i'm only 15 percent yeah through and, uh, well I'm, well here's the weird thing that i found because i log most of my books through goodreads but the page count that they have for Goodreads versus the page count that my Kindle tells me the book has is usually not the same. Because mm-hmm. when I hit the 10% part, I was at about what would have been, you say, okay, at this point, 
add the uh, zero, and this is about a 500-page book because it wasn't telling me how many pages it was in it. And but the according to Goodread, that's a 400-page book. So my goodness. So I started going with percentages because that is how much how far I'm in that book. Interesting. But I try to do pages where I can, but it's so rarely accurate. So if so it was accurate, you'd think you'd be at 75 pages. According but to it, I am now at like, yeah, 75 pages. So you don't, you don't flip to the last page just to check the page number to see how many actual pages there are? You just go off of what the Kindle... I can, but that's too many button presses. Okay. <laughs> There's no like skip to the end button? Or just... <laughs> Jeez, Jeff, he's reading it's an electronic be like a sliding book. Scroll he's already that is like, being yeah, it's, it's, it's not like the physical stuff. I can just flip to the back. That's... That's no. easy. That's easy old school, man. Gotta yeah, but even yourself. with like a PDF reader, you can scroll to the last page just by sliding your finger along the If you slide your finger bar. across the page, you get a new page. <laughs> Come on, man. Come yeah. with the time. Just do that 500 times, Torgo, you lazy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and then 500 back to get back to where you were. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there are ways you can do it, but I'm God like, I'm not, millennials. I'm, not, I'm not so invested in the page number that I take the time to even think about it. I know. That's Why a, did you that, even bring it up? That's a Jeff thing. I can see Jeff doing that. Ah, okay. Fifteen percent and it's actually right. Okay. Yeah, it is a yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the life of an obsessive compulsive. And then he washes his hands four times. No, that sanitizes the Kindle. <laughs> no, that's Paul. Paul used to do that with like little wipes every time. Somebody would touch one of his controllers. He would get out the little oh, what are you wipes serious? and wipe them down. Wow. Oh, yeah. Leave me out of this. What? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do that. Oh, you, oh, do, do, that? you do that? I hate that. I had no idea you don't do that. touch my control. What do you do? Oh. That's you know, what the wipes are. I'm knowing I'm doing next uh. game night. <laughs> okay. No, what you, what you do is like, as you're walking out, it's like, oh, by the way, Kirsten, I handled one of your controllers and or remote controls. I'm not going to tell you which one. Good night. And walk mm. out the door. <laughs> going over to Kirsten's house, touching his knobs. There you go. Yep. And next morning when you go out to work, there's this little shit sitting right on the driver's side of your windshield. <laughs> Where'd that come from? How'd that get there? <laughs> Golly. I urinated on one of your car handles. I'm not telling you which one. There you go. <laughs> Ooh, I like that, Torgo. Thanks. I like how you, you talked about shit and then you used golly right after. So you were, yeah. You're, you're speaking jive right there. That's pretty nice. Somewhere between Lynch and Leave it to Beavers. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to do, guys? Holy shit, we're still on that? Yeah. yeah. I, I did something. I'm but... still looking at these minions trying to figure out who some of them are. It's it's on wow. the, it's on well, the that one's on the floor. floor. That guy kind of tells you what's. Well, what. that's me. That's that fell, me. So, oh, that's you. No, you're holding me. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I figured <laughs> that one out because yours is the only one. <laughs> what the hell just happened? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Jeff knocked down the boxes with mine bullets. <laughs> I just realized you're wearing a flash shirt, and we were talking about flash yeah. and all that. Yeah. Okay. But but did you notice, Kirsten, that yours is the only one that says something on yeah, the base? Yeah, I was I was rather. Uh, what does it say? It says "fuck you, pink skin." Because <laughs> yeah. uh, he was yes, an Andorian. Yes, I get the reference. That <laughs> <laughs> was more for the listeners than. For That's you. right, Matt. For You're not the only one here. <laughs> not not all of our listeners are Star Trek fans. They should be. What? Get on it. What? Jeff? I know they what? should be, but I I realize there are some people who are on his involved. Some, some Star Wars fans. <laughs> Stargate. Hey, that's a good show. It is a good show. <laughs> <It's not laughs> 
Nobody to stop you this time. Yes. Yeah. Nobody to disagree. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoyed yourself. He, he, he I saw said, that small little that little smirk you just had. <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny that there was some joy derived from that statement. <laughs> uh, a few pieces of mail before we begin. Uh, gentlemen, so have any of you watched Powerless? I've only seen one episode so far and really don't know what to think yet. Just wondered what your opinions are of it. Cthulhu Collector. I gave it a three-episode try. Oh, wow. And it was a, just it was just a little too corny sitcom-y for me. Now, this is the DC yes. Comics, uh, it, we clean up after superheroes thing. Uh, sort of. So, basically, the way that it's set up is there is this young lady who's like, you know... The ultimate, you know, the sky is always blue, the green, the grass is always green kind of personality. You know, nothing ever gets her down. And she's put in charge of uh, a development section at Wayne Tech. Okay. So it's a Bruce Wayne company, obviously, which is headed by Bruce Wayne's cousin, who really wants nothing more than to get promoted out of the company and into the corporate headquarters in Gotham. So he's... You know, and it's played by Alan Tudyk, which, you know... Good guy. Amazing actor. Unfortunately, you know, he, he does his best to kind of make the show work, but it doesn't work on a few fundamental levels, at least for me. But it's just a little too sitcom just a little too silly. Um, essentially, you know, like I said, she goes to head up this lab uh, that these, you know, tech guys are coming up with things to kind of protect the citizens from when supervillains attack the city. So like like in the first episode, one of the things they're trying to get to work is this this umbrella that, you know, pops up and protects people. It's from it kind of like a shield, personal shield thing that protects citizens from falling debris, from like okay. when a villain smashes something into a building and things fall. Could have so used like, that in Batman v Superman. Yeah, that yes. fight between Zod and Superman, yeah. Yeah. Um and then, like at the end of that first episode, the 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 key part was that uh, suddenly Batman is on the news and has has ac- somehow acquired this technology that they figured out, which was a it was like a detection gear that they spun off on the side that uses pheromones to track people. <laughs> so they were using this device to track this other villain in their city, and suddenly Batman has it in Gotham and uses it to track down the Joker. So that was kind of the... There's a leak. The Yeah, they're like, wow, Batman came up with the same idea we had. That kind of line, it's like... Uh, Wait, wow. Bruce Wayne. A lot Wayne of, Enterprises. A lot of, of dollars. A lot He's of, probably Batman. Yeah, a lot of groaner <laughs> jokes. You couldn't hear my eye roll, but they rolled hard. Uh, I, I know Biggs has seen it, so we could probably bring it up again on on the show on, on Saturday to flesh it out more, but it, just, it was just a little too corny. There just didn't seem like there was enough heart to balance out the uh, the silliness. So, do you have? A f- does it feel like they're trying to do superhero The Office? Well, the first thing that hurts it is it's a half hour. So sure. you're trying to cover the entire story arc. Uh, you know, is there the, an the AB whole, thing? Yeah, in? yeah. The the whole you know three acts essentially in in thirty minutes which really is only about 22 minutes when you add commercials in. So there's right. just very little time to develop the story all the way through. So it's almost like these jokes get shoehorned in. And 
Anyway, it didn't work for me. I know that it was not getting great ratings. I don't know if it's continuing on or not. Because after the third episode, I was like, no, I'm, I'm done. I tried to give it a chance. And Game over, man. I think you're the only one here that's uh, that's seen it. I'm yeah, pretty sure. Right. In fact, didn't you like ask me why I was recording it? <laughs> I was like, are you really recording Powerless? I'm like, yeah, I thought I'd give it a shot. At least see what it's all about. Because right. I liked the premise initially. Sure. You know, the way that it was pitched. But then that first commercial came out and I'm like... Yeah, that one yeah. kind of chased me away. It's, you know, maybe maybe it's just a bad commercial because sometimes those companies cut together, you know, trailers and, and ads that just don't represent the material well. Well, that commercial did. It <laughs> represented it exactly as it was. So, Speaking of trailers and commercials, you see the new Spider-Man Homecoming that was launched today? I did not see it. Saw that it was launched, but I just decided not to watch it. I assume you did. What do you think? It's all right. I, <laughs> I, I'm not sold on the bad guy, like the Vulture Man, You're like being to... like a tech dude, like an Iron Man with wings type thing. Oh, is that I'm what not... they were doing with it? Yeah. You like you like the old man in a bodysuit? Yeah. But... I I I I'm not a big Spider-Man reader, but I never really thought the Vulture was that big of a. You know, villain. I know that he appeared many times in the comics, but he certainly was in the Spider-Man cartoon a lot. It always felt like when I would pick up the random issue, it was always Doc Ock. You know, it's just like always seemed like every random issue I picked up, it's like, oh, he's fighting Doctor Octopus again, Mm -hmm. or the Goblin. Yeah, well, yeah, Goblin too. So, but I didn't really read it religiously like some people. So I, I will do uh, not see. One more piece of mail. Good evening, extraordinary gentlemen of the Geek Shock podcast. Good evening. To answer last week's question, which was actually a couple of weeks ago about liking things you never gave a chance. Okay. I never wanted to dive into Star Trek. I was content with my video games and never ventured further than the remade movies. After listening to the podcast and discovering Star Trek on Netflix, I've been slowly investing more time into it. Seeing Andy's post of the episodes is awesome because I just watched those episodes and actually feel relevant to the conversation, which is awesome. So here's my question to all of you. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck of which I'm kidding? What is a fictional story, can be comic book character, sci-fi, fantasy, horror, etc., that you wish Hollywood would adapt into a movie and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Now let you think on it, and I'll, I'll go ahead and give give an answer for mine. I would like to see them adapt, and only this one, not the rest of the series, uh, on a pale horse. Hmm. Uh, by why am I? Why is this Piers Anthony? Piers Anthony. It's about a guy becoming the incarnation of death. It's a fantasy mashup with sci-fi. Uh, story. There's a lot of cool imagery throughout it. The, the technology is fun. The magic is fun. And I think that is a story on its own that could translate to the screen pretty well. Um, especially, I just really want to see the effects of making like the car horse happen, the finding gems happen, the ghosts happen, the dragon battle happen. There's so much that happens in that book. I doubt they could translate it to film properly 
maybe a miniseries on HBO or something like that would be better. They could actually cover all the grounds. But it is a story from beginning to end, and you don't need the rest of the books, which I don't think would translate well at all. But, uh, I, same but On a Pale Horse by Piers Anthony. Same kind of vein with you. It probably wouldn't translate well for the movies, but I want to see it anyways. Um, foundation novels, all of them. Aha! So, but I don't think it, it's too much. It's too long. I don't think it would translate well. A lot of the stuff people wouldn't get. I don't think too too sci-fi. I guess the one the, the one problem I see with Foundation trilogy is if they did did it a la a series, there are no through characters. Got to yeah. You know you would because it it runs through history and the characters come and go, and I could see that you know especially when you get the center arc with the mule mm-hmm. that's like a big chunk and probably would throw the audience or producers would get scared that they'd have this big chunk that was consistent and then yeah, it, just it, falls know, right off because yeah. foundation really is it's really a story of the setting rather than the people with the exception of harry selden but even that is really tough how do you make him a through character so that's probably you could probably, probably tell it through the eyes of the traders, but then, but even then, you know Hollywood loves that one at least one central character. But having a rotating cast where you end sure. up with a totally different bunch every season, you could film it like True Detective. <sighs> There's that, or oh, yeah, American History like, Story X, where different. You know, I, I mean. Uh, American Horror Story, that one. The, yeah, the problem, yeah you, would, you would have to do it like as an anthology series, yeah, like on true, HBO. True Detective has floundered, so I could see Although that. Although they're now working on a third season, so that's well, not them. You know, if, if that's successful, then maybe that's an argument you can make. Because that would be cool if they did that, mind yeah. you. It would be cool. So that's, that, that's a hell of a risk, but I like that answer. Yeah. So, and I, just stick with that. I'm just saying, I. I find that that list of things that I want to see get made gets shorter and shorter as I get older. But the downside is that oftentimes one that I'm really passionate about does not get made well or they slap the title of something that I like a lot on something that is not really much related to the original material. Uh, iRobot's a good example. Uh I don't have a problem with the Will Smith film as much as some haters do. I just think it was it should not have been titled iRobot. It mm. could have just said, been something, you know, it's like based on the robot series by yeah. Isaac Asimov and then called it, you know, whatever whatever the film they well, wanted. Well, the, yeah, the problem there is that's a classic somebody else had something else in mind yeah. and they welded the yeah. the the IP onto it cuz that was that script was originally its own story yeah. about a robot murder thing, and they were like, "Oh, we could make this iRobot." And right, um, and then on, on conversely, sometimes they make something that I would love to see adapted really, really, really well, like the Lord of the Rings. I absolutely loved that series when I was in, you know, junior high and high school. I remember reading it sure. and going, "This would be amazing as a film," but I don't think it's ever going to be done in my lifetime. And then, sure enough. It does get made into a film, and while it's not without its faults, it was an amazing trilogy of films. Sure, but you can't think of anything. But like right now, I, there's not something that I'm just burning to see made that I that's that's springing to mind. I got another one: a proper juggernaut character. <laughs> that might still happen. It could still happen. Yeah, there, there's better. still there's still hope for that. I think Fox I is finally 
turning the corner on allowing people that are passionate about projects to do them and do the do justice to the characters in the Marvel universe, even though they I think it might be that they are starting to embrace this partnership with, with Marvel Studios like they're doing with Legion. And then they've got that upcoming what X Men project that's a television series that's right. that's a joint partnership between Fox and and Marvel Studios. So that could be what it is. But I know that uh, Brian Singer was very passionate about the project, the process, and bringing those projects to the screen, which is why I think the films that he directed that were Marvel properties did very well. Versus when you have like Brett Ratner come on, yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say movie. Um, I really don't. There isn't much I see that I'm like, oh, I want to see that as a movie anymore. Uh, because the Marvel, you know, the cable miniseries or the cable series formats are doing so well. Right. So I'd love to see a cable series format of the Vlad Taltosh novels by Stephen Bruce. Ooh, who, tell me about um, these. He, uh, um, Vlad Taltosh is this human assassin in an empire which it takes several books to you know to for it to be just revealed that they're essentially elves they're called the dragarans and the dragarans live for several hundred or thousand years and human beings are human beings and human beings are an oppressed minority in the empire and he is part of a house that act a noble house in the empire that actually allows humans to join and he does very very well and bruce started the books way back because he was enamored of the whole godfather mafia type of story those kind of characters and then something happened because bruce is a trotskyite he's an old school red trotskyite huh. And he had a union organizer friend that something happened to him. And it kind of soured Bruce on the whole mafia image. And one of the amazing things about these books is the first book is one of Bruce's first books. And he's still writing the series to this day, 30 years later. Wow. And you can see his progress as a writer, but also as a human being, book to book as the assassin begins to question his life as an assassin and what does he want to do. There's problems with his marriage that kind of reflects what Bruce went through. And you see this growth, and also in writing style, because he starts off really, really basic fantasy style, and he gets very experimental, especially as he moves on. Oh, fascinating. And he's doing 19 books he is more than halfway through. The books are standalone, even though they're interconnected. So they kind of reference, you kind of pick up on things. You understand what's going on in this book because of things in the past. But it's a nonlinear series. It jumps around all over the place. Uh, the first book starts with him married and doing stuff. The second book actually details him meeting his wife. And then the, the third or fourth book is actually the first book for a story chronologically in terms of his life so bruce just he just goes all over the place and it's it's they're self-contained so you're not super out of whack or out of you know loss if you do that 
And the character is interesting. His supporting characters are interesting. His various concepts. He kind of blurs science fiction and fantasy, which is something I like a lot. So it's a very interesting series. And uh, he's young enough and got, and the books are short enough that, you know, there's no George R.R. R. Martin effect. <laughs> He'll finish the series. No worries. They could start, they could start the, the series, uh, the TV series now. And probably, they could probably make it go four or five seasons and make it work. So that would be a really cool series. How long ago we start right? was the first book published? Early 80s, okay. 83 or something like that. I saw, I was a freshman at the University of Minnesota. And the Dreamhaven Books, science fiction bookstore by the school campus, had local writer's uh, shelf. And his book was there. And it was really funny because I picked it up, but I didn't start it for several years. And then when I did, I was like, wow, this is very cool. This is one of those settings that grew out of a role-playing game. Okay. Because uh, his character and, and the setting itself, he and his friends had uh, made up when he was younger. So, and What's um, the author's name again? Stephen Brust, B-R-U-S-T. And it's the Vlad Taltos novels. It's T-A-L-T-O-S pronounced Taltos because he's of Hungarian background and he pulls in a lot of those elements into his world building. I'm surprised you didn't come up with this too because it's close to my heart and your heart. Anything from the Warhammer 40K. You could have like a standalone movie. That universe is so rich. A lot of stuff you can pull from that. Yeah, this is very... You're right. And I think eventually we'll get that. that, That's... They had a few misfires and attempts so far. Boy, uh-huh. do they ever! It's tough to get that rolling. Uh, but that, yeah, that is such a thick piece of background. In they get the writing. right people. I remember that that animated movie. You terrible. Uh, that was, yeah, that was, that you was said terrible. it was such a grind to get through. Oh, you know who who should do that? He's up and coming. He's the guy who's directed. The big battle scenes in Game of Thrones, especially. He's the guy who directed Hard Home. He directed the Battle of the Bastards. And uh, I think that would be right up his alley. You get the right art department behind him. One of the best backhand compliment jokes about The Hobbit uh, I've read was some guy was commenting, Boy, oh boy, this is the best Warhammer movie <laughs> you, you know, because the the, the one, uh, uh, what's his name's dwarf character? Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly's dwarf character is <laughs> the troll slayer dwarf. I mean, the fucking orange mohawk <laughs> right. and, and the whole war goats and everything. I mean, that that is a quintessential Warhammer fucking That's true. Uh, uh, universe right there. So that was really funny. The, yeah. the thing that I think they have a hard time wrapping themselves with with Warhammer 40K is the fact that what makes it interesting art-wise are these mega battles with thousands upon thousands of warriors and machines and telling a human story in that, or at least one that focuses on a small left squad that you care about individuals. That's well, what you it's, could it's, do. it's an unfeeling series. Oh, yeah. So you, uh, the universe and, is grim and dark. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> so. It, so to find a a pathos in that is is the rough part. I think. What you could do is this: you just have a, a squad like a five a fire team, and you just follow them. That's it. Maybe fight the Tyranids, or yeah, give it a Space Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. There you go. Or the the uh, the depths of a hive city, or something. 
There you go. Sure. I'll be here all week. Uh, you contact me. Uh, my email is. <laughs> now, though I agree with you, when people who are into Warhammer, or at least have seen the art, see it, want to see a Warhammer movie, they want to see big battle. And that goes against what you're describing. Yeah. So. But you have to take what you can get. So here <laughs> in you, this case. So, so here you go. That's how you introduce your squad. They're a, a squad in this massive battle. Yeah. There you there go. It is. Yeah. You, you, you yeah, start you, it They got to survive the fucking battle. Yeah. And then, then at the end, give them one more even bigger one. Throw chaos in there and make it crazy. Yeah. There's a, there was one, there's one great fantasy series I'm reading um, by uh, Steven Erickson. I've mentioned it before. It's called The Tale of the, Mal, uh, the Malazan Empire. And um, one of the shorter books is essentially a battle from cover to cover. Huh. The book starts with the battle and it runs pretty much to the end and it's all of, and it's a key battle in the history of this of this milieu. So it'd be really interesting if they did that and you just got a Warhammer. But then again, that's where you can do your your series, right? Cuz you do a Warhammer series and then you can have that 53 minute episode that is 50 minutes of friggin' battle with three minutes of setting it up and taking it down when it's done. Sure. Which just be fabulous. What I do think that movie did get right is doing it as a all-computer animation movie, even though their animation was terrible. But if you get some solid animation behind it, because that would really be expensive to pull off live action, prohibitively expensive. Yeah, I've seen video games with better animation than that thing. Yeah, it was it was bad. Really cheap CG. You get the guys from um, Relic or THQ, the guys who did the Dawn of War series, get right. them to do it. There you go. Man. Done. Yeah. Already got a studio right there. Oh, you know, as a side note, uh, geeky things you did. I did stumble across um, a breakdown of a leaked season synopsis for Game of Thrones. Okay. Where they were talking about each and every episode of the next season coming up. And they didn't know if this is real or not, If it, if it, but it was that, but... It was interesting because things go in a really interesting direction, including one thing that happens that it was just like, wow, didn't even occur to me that that could happen, huh. but that's crazy. All right, I, I, I want you to hold on to that. Okay. And then come, and once that season's come and passed, I want to know how that compares. All right. That, um, I, I'm fascinated to see that's that good. comparison. That'll be for up. episode 450. Something like that. Something yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> well, we got what? It's still a year away or something? Stupid? Uh, 381, yeah. Well, oh, right. we've got this year, we've got the full season coming up, and then next year is a <laughs> short, like, seven-episode season. Okay. Yeah. some reason, I was thinking this next year was the last season. No, that, that that's that's one of the things that the producers addressed was that okay. it's like no, this is not the final season, but the final season. This leads up is to the a final shorter season. is a yeah. shorter season. Although they they left it open for maybe slightly longer episodes. Oh, yeah, like it could be hour and a half episodes each for that final. I'm fine with this. I'm yeah, yeah. fine with yeah, it yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's do a little bit of news, gentlemen. How about some news you don't give a shit about? Uh huh. And he's not here, so I'll do it. Oh. Thank you. I thought it would feel right without some sadness. 
GameStop has announced that they are shutting down 2 to 3% of 7,500 shops across the globe after sales and earnings plummeted last year. So it's going to be around 150 stores worldwide. According to the Wall Street Journal, the company was affected by the shift to digital downloads. More and more people now prefer installing their games straight from their consoles online instead of buying physical copies. That GameStop's sales dropped 14% in 2016. It is especially bad this past holiday season, where sales dipped 19%. From now on, the video game retailer will start expanding its non-gaming business. It plans to open 35 more collectible stores this year, bringing the total number of locations to 121. Unlike its core business, the company's collectible division has been doing very well. Its sales were up by 59.5% in 2016, and GameStop expects sales to go up another 30 or 40% this That's year. Funny. You can thank yeah. the Funkos probably for that. <laughs> well, you know I, what? There's a per- I'm sure there's a percentage of that in there. There's a pretty yeah. good markup on collectibles, and they make a decent profit off of those. In fact, the, it's funny you say that, because the last <laughs> time I was in a GameStop, I was amazed at how many collectibles they had versus how many actual games available for purchase. Yeah, it's a friggin' hot topic now. Yeah, you exactly. It's like you know what? That actually compels me to go in there more. There you go. But, uh, I mean, it's, you know, the writing was on the wall for a while. I mean, hell, you just use the blockbuster template and realize that, you know, physical media is is giving way to the convenience of streaming. And, you know, it just, it was, it was doomed to happen sooner or later. And uh, geeky things I did, yes, I have been playing lots and lots of Mass Effect Andromeda. And I do have thoughts on it, but I'm not going to get into that now. No, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to it probably next week's show. But, uh, but yeah, I have opinions. Okay. <laughs> you? No. News you don't give a shit about, or maybe you do. This one's kind of, kind of fancy. Robert Downey Jr. will star in The Voyage of Dr. Doolittle. To be directed by Oscar winner Stephen uh, Gagan, who did uh, Traffic, uh, Syriana, Gold, from the screenplay he wrote, based on an early draft by Tom Shepard. The film is based on a series of children's fantasy books penned by Hugh Lofting in the 1920s, centering on an eccentric physician who is able to speak to animals. A musical starring My Fair Lady's Rex Harrison in the titular role was released back in 1967, released, uh, received a Best Picture. Best Received a Best Picture Oscar nomination and went on to win two Academy Awards, one for Best Song and the other for Best Special Effects. Of course, uh, Eddie Murphy took on the role for a more comedic spin in 98's Dr. Yes. Doolittle and the 2001 sequel, Dr. Doolittle 2. No news on when the voyage of Dr. Doolittle will film yet or when Universal plans on releasing it. Downey will reprise as Tony Stark in the summer's Spider-Man Homecoming and currently busy filming the Russo Brothers' next two Avenger films. He's also set to reprise the role of the great detective in a third Sherlock Holmes movie. You know, I do like that original Dr. Doolittle, the 1967 one. Yeah, it's not bad. And I don't know if they're going to make this a musical. I kind of hope they do. I mean, they did. He wasn't a singing detective, so he sung before. But but I don't know. Dr. Doolittle is... Is that something that still has legs in this day and age, you think? I just remember the Eddie Murphy one, and I was like, eh. And I think most people, that's what their experience is. And I think that's a lot of people's response. If I hadn't seen the Rex Harrison one, I'd have that exact same response, too. Right. That's the only thing that gives me hope in this. But uh, <laughs> It's my hope. 
and I would think uh, audiences today are a little more comfortable. They make it a period piece and go with the original book material. That would be good. Yeah. I'd be great with that. Because wasn't, I, I, you know what? Man, I was so damn young. Wasn't. In the 1920s, yeah, you were little. What, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was. Andy, you and Andy. <laughs> yeah, me and Andy playing in the dirt together with our rocks and sticks. Um, uh, a bumbly this, peg, who doesn't love it? Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah shooting right between the ankles. Yeah, I God. Uh, what the fuck was I? Oh, yeah. The 1967, was that period was that 1920s i believe I, it was okay because i i never saw the the eddie murphy i assume that was not it wasn't it definitely yeah, not okay it not. so it was it was eddie murphy talks to animals yeah. is what it was you know and i mean that's a great that that's a great uh, steampunk <laughs> diesel punk slant mm-hmm. if uh if they wanted to touch on that like so airships it, and yeah no, just not quite but more more the aesthetic okay i would say yeah, yeah, don't go the full... More of the Wonka punk? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. how about that? I mean, because I think, you know, I think that, that'd be cool. If they made it period, I would definitely be interested. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully they will. But uh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's my right, two we'll cents. we hold a little hope on this one. A little hope. Yeah. I forgot to ask you, did you watch Kong yet? Oh, yeah, I saw Kong. You saw Kong? Did yeah, that? so did I. I liked it. Yeah, I saw Kong. All right, my oh, you know what? That's what I did. I saw Kong. <laughs> same, 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 same. That's what I did, too. Yeah. <laughs> Take you know a drink, I, I, everyone. I, I wanted, I wanted, I'm going to stop. You don't give a shit about it right now. I want to know what you felt about Kong. I like that it was period specific to Vietnam. It's pretty cool. Is it now? So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, and, and, and actually a little bit of World War II. So they, this, um, yeah. The uh, soundtrack's going to be awesome for that. I might pick that up. It's cool. Um, you can. It's really interesting because I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm seeing references to all the Kong movies. I mean, I felt I felt that there were there were little tips of the hat to the fucking De Laurentiis one. You're more of a monster film than me. Okay, so yeah. There were moments the in there that I'm like, that kind of feels like fucking King Kong versus Godzilla for fuck's sake. I mean, I don't know how much. But um, I I did enjoy that. It was funny. I saw it with Vernon. Whew. We were like five minutes into it, and he, he just sat there with an angry face for the rest of the movie. What? He he did not enjoy it at all. Oh no! So not but, surprised, but oh no! Yeah, but uh, he doesn't like a lot of stuff, does he? Eh, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, he likes people. the farting, um, the yeah. farting priest or whatever. Who doesn't, who doesn't like but, the farting priest? Well, you know what? You got to admit, farting priest. Yeah. Put him in the confessional. That's a, that's a laugh a minute. But <laughs> he's, um, yeah, he's weird. You never know exactly what he's gonna love yeah, or hate. Yeah, because you think, oh, this is perfect. This is right up your alley. This is terrible. I'm never gonna watch I that. Know. And then and he'll like, post French Connection. Holy shit! What a great movie. Yeah. You know? The Longest Day. Oh my god. It's just Jurassic right. World is amazing. I, all right. It's a I great sequel. It's I like, surrender. What? Really. He really posted that? Yeah, no, yeah. He absolutely oh, yeah. loved oh, Jurassic World. Oh, absolutely. I would, but he hated I, Kong. What's wrong with this man? Next time I see him, I'm going to tell him. Which is funny because I liked Jurassic World, and I'm sitting there going, when he said he was going to go see it, I was like, oh, here we go. He's going to just tear it to shreds because it doesn't live up to the original, et cetera, et cetera. I was totally ready for the Vernon breakdown because yeah. that's what I got when Star Trek 2009 came out, and he actually he talked about it on the show here. Yeah. And he was like, Oh my god, it's so good! It's got all these little throwbacks to the original, like 
like we were we were watching it at a, at a mutual friend's house and he kept pausing it to to point things out it, it, it drove our mutual friend crazy because apparently they had not seen it all the way through yet oh wow. my god oh, wow. it was uh, yeah, yeah. Um, i don't know if it's spoilers anyway. or not but i'm gonna say it anyway so spoiler maybe those um creatures with the skull faces whatever yeah they were also in godzilla Right? I think that they're meant to suggest the Mutos, the okay, yeah. which is supposed to be the tie-in. Because they're definitely... Okay. Yeah, this, is, this is coming together. When you go Godzilla see Kong. Kong, there's an end credit scene. Stay for the very end. Fuck, I didn't know that. Yes, there is, sir. Son of a and that is a direct reference to King Kong, what will eventually be King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, Matt. Ha. Which is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were we were so mad. Me and Paula, we actually we were gonna leave halfway through because to oh, left no. we had three kids. No, it's not. so uh. kids. We went at nine thirty five, so it was like eleven o'clock. Three year old, two year old, and some like fifteen year old, and then you know Hispanic. You know, not not to say there's nothing. Wrong with I'm just gonna add it there. And then we had two people to the right of Paula that wouldn't stop talking. This is a galaxy. Wow. So all the riffraff are coming to Galaxy now. Wow, you guys should have. That uh, was my experience at Galaxy last time I went too. The secret's out. Oh, dude. Uh, you, me too. I mean, I, I'm sitting there watching Kong with Vernon, and behind us, yeah, hello? No, I'm in a movie right now. Fuck. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what does it look like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was fucking... And then we went to go see Logan. Remember, you got up and told the guy to get off the Oh, yeah, phone. yeah. I yeah. used my car voice. That was fun. My gatekeeper voice. Yeah. It was just... No cell phones during the movie, please. And the guy put it right away. I think he thought I worked there. Yeah, good. But, um, yeah, you know what? Just get the fuck out. Just step out and say, yeah, you know what? Yeah. There are people talking. I've Give me a readmit. I'd like to come back. Most of the time, they'll do that. It's not like they're going to say, fuck you. We got your money. Or turn your goddamn phone off for two fucking hours. Period. In my Just case, turn your phone off. He's saying if they don't, you know. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I got that. But I'm like... You're in a theater. Be sure. respectful. Just turn it off. Sure. Turn or it off. The, all know, the shock two monkeys hours. agree with you. Yeah. Well, he's all talking about non-phone stuff. Yeah. People yeah. talking. Yeah. No, no, God, yeah. And and actually, if, at Galaxy, if you let a manager know, they'll talk to them and you know escort yeah. them out. I've seen it happen. Do it. Just, yeah, yeah. And they just say that you're disruptive and you're, you're done. Because you're, you're right. Galaxy is the last theater we want that to happen in because mm -hmm. they said they'll do something about it. I will say. And they will. The guys I that next to me, I mean, he was offering me popcorn, for God's sake. Not that they were, go. weren't nice guys. Okay. But they just, you know, and, and I, I said, guys, keep it down. And they did for the rest of the show. So, you know, just speak yeah. up. But if they give you shit, take care of the problem. There you go. But, but anyway, Kong, I did enjoy it. They're setting up uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, and it's, it's yeah. All right, so we have one Godzilla movie coming up after that. And turn off turn your, off your goddamn, goddamn phone. phone. Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's my alarm to remind me to take my food with me. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have the next Godzilla movie and then Godzilla versus Kong. That's my understanding of how that I believe up. that is a correct understanding. Yeah. So my, my thing is, should I go see it? Or should I just wait for it to come out on video? Because I'm like really not that excited when it was announced. I've watched the ads. I've seen the trailers. Nothing has made me say, oh, my God, I have to go see that. It's just kind of meh to me with as many times as it's been redone. So Go see it in theater because it's a monster movie. You get that big Yeah, it's time, a big, though. giant monster movie. Yeah. Okay. Loud noises, crashing, 
and, awesome and soundtrack. Wait till it goes to the dollar theater, perhaps. I well, the if dollar cinema is not that great, so that's going to diminish your experience. I don't know. They've of it's pretty decent now. They actually yeah. show digital 3D movies and everything now. Well, oh, they've yeah, upgraded that go. stuff. Yeah, if it's all digital. Proje- See it on the big screen. It's a big giant monster movie for fuck's sake. All right. All right. And 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 you know it's I mean when when they run into Kong that's a hell of a start. Um, that scene, it just yes, yes. Um, the movie, well, the movie kind of starts off with a bang, but at that moment when it gets kicking, it it just your, your sud- suddenly starts kicking, and they don't even do like a a gentle menacing hint. Oh, <laughs> it's coming. Oh, they don't even know what's coming. You know, oh my goodness. No, it's just like hey. This is Skull Island. This is kind of what the fuck, and it just <laughs> yeah. explodes. Yeah, it's, that's that's and that whole bit's neat. They gotta see this. News you don't give a shit about. According to a report over a deadline, MTV is looking to reboot the Scream horror TV series for season three. Renewed back in October for a third season, the episode order was reduced to six. The first season featured ten episodes, while season two had thirteen including a Halloween special. The site reports that Dimension TV has an eye on rebooting the TV show with a new storyline and characters and claims the powers that be had given them permission to let the current cast go. MTV is also looking for another showrunner. This will be the third showrunner in as many seasons to shape the concept of the new season. Word is that this one will have the possibility of including existing characters and make references to the bloody events of previous seasons. Or start over with a clean slate by doing complete overhaul of the show uh, based on the cult horror movie franchise. Have not seen the Scream TV series. Haven't been interested in it. The, I was never big into Scream, the movies, or anything like that. I enjoyed so. them, the first two when they came out, three of Diminishing Returns. And didn't even see the reboot when it happened. And now we have the TV show, which I assume is just more Scream. But I was wondering how on earth you're going to have a Scream TV show that's going to last more than a season or two. Right. And I guess this is the the way to do it. New, new killer, new mask, new group of victims. Unless, you know. unless they've created some new mythology that I probably won't care about. I actually have seen all four Scream films, and yeah, I'm with you. The first two, I just I felt were really, really creative, and uh, it really added something to that horror genre. That it, you know, it it was in a sense lampooning itself while as, staying as, true to it. While staying exactly while staying true to itself, but <laughs> it's a, it's a kind of ironic. I I I think about with with three or four. The uh, the bit from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, where Wes Craven is off screen just counting his money, uh, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Shannon Doherty says, "A monkey, really, Wes?" He's like, "I'm busy," and he's just sitting there counting his cash. Because right. you know, it's probably not that he didn't care about it, but you know, I think he had kind of let it go at that point to other people, if I recall. I believe. So. I know. I I I, <laughs> I remember. Vaguely that he was actively involved in the first two and not so much in the second two. That's a, he, I think he directed the third, but yeah, he's it's. Uh, but it was somebody else's script. Yeah, yeah, I think it was somebody else's script for the third one. Did Jay and Silent Bob make an appearance in three? I think yeah, yeah. I think so. Huh. That was that ah, was the reciprocity. Uh, that exactly that's what it was. Okay. You, you, you yeah, you are right. They were in the third. All one. right. 
So, and, and when they originally announced that they're making Scream into a TV show, I'm like, well, okay, um, cool. I wonder what the mask looks like. And then I saw what the mask looks like, and I'm like, this is a horrible design. I am yep. not interested in or disturbed in any way by this mask. <laughs> <laughs> and Scream, that's kind of it, because otherwise the, yeah. the killer is just a guy in a hood. Yeah. So that everything relies on that mask. Mm-hmm. And the, the the mask for the new one looks like the, the character going, ooh, <laughs> ooh, all the time. And I'm just, that just does not work for me. Nice. So, so good luck, Scream. <laughs> um, uh, there is, of course, more news you don't give a shit about because that's the world we live in. Uh, but we got to get some news in here. Weekend Geek! Yeah, the, uh, the, the scary movie mask. The lampoon mask was scarier than yes. the, the TV series mask. Yes, Jesus, <laughs> that's a pretty good mask too. By the way, it was. That's, it really that was. was. Pretty good. That that first one, hilarious. Sony is prepping a new film pairing the mercenary Sir Silver Sable and the master thief Black Cat, both of whom have allied with Spider-Man in the past. Thor, The Dark World, and Thor Ragnarok co-writer Chris Yost is penning a script after an earlier draft by Westworld co-creator Lisa Joy, and the studio is already on the hunt for a director to start production as early as this fall. Not clear at the moment how this team-up will work, as one character is an international mercenary, the other is a New York-based thief, but it's one that could propel various other Spider-Man-related figures from New York City and beyond into the spotlight for even more movies. Like the Venom film, though, this project is not a homecoming spinoff, which leaves the creators free to tell their own story, but also raises questions on how two characters so closely related to Spider-Man, uh, Black Cat is number three on the list of Spider-Man's most important girlfriends, will work in their own film that isn't building on a previously existing Spider-Man world. <laughs> uh, that said, maybe just allowing the audience to assume the existence of Spider-Man and his universe is the way to go. Or you could even eliminate the connection altogether. So we got the Venom film coming out, which is... Yes. Uh, it's not official yet, but it's rumored to be a rated R film. That's, yeah. that's, that's what we're... The, they're kind of reporting in the rumor category. Well, they started getting dark with that character anyway in the comics. Sure, so I mean... More, more adult-themed, Venom, Venom yeah. could work rated R. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's some body horror stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, and... But this does seem to be following the original plan before Marvel got involved with Sony of let's make all these villains have their own movies and then put them in Spider-Man movies. Make the Sinister Six build up, you mean? That, yeah. I don't think they're still going with the Sinister Six thing. Right. But but this seems to be on that track. Well, Ven- Venom is weird, is in a weird zone too because he varies from villain to anti-hero yeah exactly so i would I, I myself would assume that it would be some kind of struggle to make him self into an anti-hero type of movie at least the first one it might start off horrible and he like finds a way to cope with it or or control yes yeah, venom is like another one of those characters especially if you get like like what you're saying into the anti-hero stuff that it's hard to represent on screen and get people interested in it the same way the punisher is hard to show on screen and get people interested because if you don't know the core of the character your average you know moviegoer you know that has a casual 
you know, interest in Spider-Man is going to go, oh, well, it's going to, it's like a spin-off Spider-Man, and they go in there, and it's just totally not what you're expecting. So, I mean, it, yeah, it, I think, I think that's one that's difficult to bring to the screen and get enough people interested. But well, sure. I, well, it I could think happen. I think it's even more difficult for the Black Cat and Silver Sable. Yeah, uh, that's 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 going to be an interesting. It's an interesting experiment, though. It's two female characters, mm-hmm. which is really bold. Yeah. And, you know, for yeah. that reason alone, I wish him luck because if they can make it work, there are plenty of female characters out there that, that would make for great stories. Because, I mean, yeah, I, not to demean the characters, but it's kind of like promoting a sidekick to, you know, a starring role. It does not work very well in many cases. I well, mean, it, it's yeah. it just in the case that it, they're not very well-known villains. They're known to Spider-Man fans. Yeah, right. exactly. But outside of that, I mean... People who aren't into Spider-Man have probably seen Venom on T-shirts right. and, and passing by the video game or comic book shop. So they at least it's have a, striking, a casual It's a striking interest. visual, but yeah. they probably didn't look twice if they passed a poster yeah. of Black Cat. Right. So that's it's gonna. Yeah. I think it's going to be harder to sell for it's that gonna reason. Be, it's going to be tough. It'll be tough. Well, depending on how bussy the character is. <laughs> Maybe they did a double take. <laughs> okay, good point. Good point. <laughs> Which, Disney CEO Bob Iger recently revealed via Variety that the company has a creative team mapping out stories for Star Wars for at least, quote, another decade and a half of stories, unquote. <laughs> that means we could be waiting in line for Star Wars episode XVI in about 15 years. As the expanded yep. universe has shown for decades, the franchise is an enormous world. Lots of potential. Uh, but Disney seems keen to push the boundaries of just how many stories they can tell within it. And, of course, they have the Marvel Cinematic Universe and are doing fine with that so far. So, uh, best of luck. Yeah. I mean, uh, as long I, I, as they let Lucasfilm operate as a separate company, just like they do with Marvel Studios, sure. let the bright people that know the material go forward with it, you know, <laughs> I'm fine with that. And I know... <laughs> Rogue One has its detractors or detractor um, <laughs> uh, but that was a very important movie for the Star Wars universe yeah it really was it, it proved that Star Wars had legs in the movie theater outside of novels outside of the Skywalker story yeah yeah, yeah and, and, and was popular with audiences yes. like audiences actually enjoyed going to see this standalone movie that related to the larger universe, but was still entertaining. And, and, and ended up being rather grim. Yeah. Yes. Too. So, well, and yeah, and, and I, I still, my opinion is it's, uh, I think it's a fair representation of, you know, this war that they're going through. You know, there are times when the story that you tell of people that are involved in this are not going to have a happy ending. I mean, the, the, the only, I guess, bright spot of Rogue One is at the end when she says hope because that's leading you into episode, episode four. four. But I still call it Star Wars because sure, that's you know what we were it's raised Star on. Star Wars. Wars. But, you know, there's really only that little glimmer at the end because, you know, here it is, the soldier story that, you know, everybody is going to die. That's just the nature of war. I have to hand it to Disney for taking that risk. Yeah. Oh, that's a huge risk. I never would have expected, because that was the big fear of the fans. When <laughs> Disney took over Star Wars, it was like, oh, here we go, all happy 
stories going forward with right. very minimal risk. Rogue One's a big risk. And and they went all out to get the details right, like matching the you know, the set style, well, that matching was the, the uniform that, style. One of the things that really endeared me yeah. was was the I mean just dude, just in the, the Darth Vader detail. And even going so far as amazing. to take unused footage from the original Star Wars yeah. and blend it into this film so that it yeah. has a you know a you know a thread that connects to the now, larger have, story. Ha- having said that, I yes. do I do kind of miss you know a scene where uh, a whole bunch of animals help Princess Leia put on a gown or something. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be on the special features yeah. for the Blu-ray release. I mean, so. that'd just be like and she's they singing along, they singing did. the Life Day song, and you know the little. The little uh, yes, I'm uh, wishing. So you're saying yes, Return I'm of the Jedi had potential for, for the Ewoks Empire to help to her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's absolutely. There you go. Golly. A bunch of Jawas helping put her in counter. <laughs> 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 Which <laughs> we're on the, the, the whole Disney thing. Uh, there's a fan short of Deadpool that's a spoof of the Gaston song from uh, Beauty and the Beast since the live action just came out. It's hilarious. If you get a chance, look it up. All it's right. uh, it's Deadpool on YouTube. On. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it is like no one kills like Deadpool. No one slices ah. like like Deadpool. Yeah. No one shoots or but it, anyway, it's 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 a musical. That, like I said, it's fan made, but it's very yeah, uh, musical. It's very choreographed. Uh, ex- it's excellently choreographed. Uh, the musical aspect is spot on. Um, all the you know the fan costumes that are, you know they're wearing in there just. It's it's worth a check. It's it's I think it's only like seven minutes long, so it's definitely cool. worth checking out. Uh, but yeah, just on a side note because it made me think Disney and Marvel and connecting the two. So. I want to get this next news piece in, sure, uh, because the live show because it's at the library in the daytime. There's kids around. Yes, we got to PG ourselves. Son of a fucking bitch! This right, is fucking so, bullshit! So God damn yeah, it! Get it out now. Yeah, you wait till you have that pepper. I don't know. We'll see how PG you are then. <laughs> Fuck! I still don't Fudge. think that's me off as a swear word. Golly but. gee! <laughs> but this next story I wanted to use now because I can't use it this weekend. Garth Ennis, right there. Ah, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are crying right now. Amanda <laughs> Connor and Jimmy Palmat- Palmiotti's comic book, The Pro. Oh, God. Has snagged itself a movie deal. Oh, my. Oh, of course. <laughs> R-rated superhero. Oh, Okay, God. I don't know this one. You guys are going to have to help uh, me out. Uh, Released by Image in 2002, the book stars a prostitute who's accidentally granted superhuman powers and is subsequently drafted onto a super team called the League of Honor, whose moral code is a bit more rigid than she is used to. Chaos ensues. It's a send-up of superhero tropes done in the most gratuitous and occasionally disturbing way possible, uh, meaning that if done right, this could find a similar audience to Deadpool's. You mean if done well? Sure. The creative team of the comic are all people that regular comic readers probably be familiar with. Ennis is best known as the writer behind Preacher, while Connor and Palmiotti have found success steering DC's Harley Quinn franchise. The graphic novel has been reprinted numerous times by Image, most recently receiving a new printing in August of last year. Uh, No directors or actors attached to the project as of yet, but the announcement did mention that Erwin Stoff will be producing from a screenplay by Zoe McCarthy. 
Anything remotely resembling the original book would almost certainly be R-rated. So this is probably another sign that the R-rated superhero trend sparked by Fox's success with Deadpool and Logan is probably here for a while. Yikes. I don't have a problem with R-rated films as long as it suits the material. There are certain characters that you don't want to take into the R-rated universe. I read the pro. I can't remember it well. Uh, but so I remember. Right but I remember when it was done. I was like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, it. Uh, what little I read, I really got the feeling that Ennis at all were, were just laughing. You know, it's like, aha! Look at what we're doing, laughing all the way to the bank. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, but it's different from like Deadpool or Logan, <laughs> right? So I'm not. I mean, this is definitely, if they're true to the material. It's definitely different from Deadpool or Logan R. Quite and, frankly, it's I'll be impressed if they g- get it under NC-17. Yeah. 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 Well, they, they, well, well, mm. yeah. I mean, that comic went everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather... Why not The Boys? I got a feeling The Boys is coming. It should. It, it, I, mean, I mean, if the pro has been yeah, and, and, taken up. And, and everyone's enamored of, of R... Rated sure. soups. And I got a feeling that is going to translate itself into, say, like Stars or Showtime. It has to be. Something to, to compete be. against HBO. It cannot HBO. be a trilogy. It has to be a, a series. Well, that's one that you could make. Uh, not not specific, but that reminds me to of the question? We were, the question earlier about making uh, something into yeah, a, a sure. movie. Uh, crap. Uh, it's, the, it's the one where the, the superhero is fed up with the government as is, and he like kills off all the politicians and takes over... Uh, we reviewed it on the Black video show. Summer? Like that sounds like bl- no, I think it was a crap. Why can't I a Warren Ellis comic? Yeah, yeah it, we, it was we've Warren had this Ellis, discussion but, uh, before. We were trying. We were yeah, that might be Black fighting summer. over the yeah. uh, the name. But uh, but yeah, that would that's that's a damn good comic that I can't think of the name of. <laughs> John Horace, isn't that his name? And yeah, he, he uh, um, is super, and he just I'm going to solve the problem by clearing the swamp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's look down on my shirt. It's, it's ultimate in fascism. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are good questions. Thanks, uh, thanks, Gabriel. He's the one that wrote to us and sent us that question. Uh, thank you, Cthulhu Collector. And uh, if you have a question, because we have some more emails and we'll be addressing those questions on the live show. And so, if you want to apply a question to the live show, write to us comments at uglycouchshow.com. And until Saturday and next week, I am Master Torgo, Eighties Jeff, Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Oh, boy. I can't wait to Saturday. A shout out and thank you to Elizabeth uh, White, who uh, sent me a, a very nice gift. Aww. Some Funkos. Oh. Now you're the so, Funko so guy now. You need to bring them over to my house then because I'm the Funko guy. Uh, <laughs> Funko Matt. <laughs> Funko Matt. Yeah, but you don't care about Conan. Matt, you will be happy to know because we're not the only panel on the live show. Uh, before, oh, yeah. before us is Vagina. Okay. All right. <laughs> Very awesome girls in the nerdy activities. Uh-huh. Vagina? Okay. Yeah. So they have a discussion before us. They were there after they, us last time. Well, turn off your goddamn phone. It's my food. I got to remember my food. <laughs> I am not forgetting my food. You went to the, your fridge. I'm taking it home. You went to the awesome barbecue joint? Yeah. Memphis group. Blah. Anyways, go ahead. But after our live podcast is a Funko discussion. Yeah. So How about that? So we're surrounded by some, some, some awesome talent. So, right. you, so we're, we're com- 
Come for the Geek Shock, stay for the Funko, We're and, and hang out with the vagina. <laughs> and yes, running through the entire vagina panel and half of our podcast is the cosplay contest. Sure. So if you're into cosplay, you're obviously not going to be into us. But you can uh, join us for the second half of our show. Yeah, for, for us, anyway, <laughs> vagina's screwed. Let's <laughs> see what you did there. I'm impressed. Hey, oh, you got to give him that one. <laughs> <laughs> got to give him that one. You got to give him that one. <laughs> See you Saturday.